Okay, welcome to episode five of season eight, Employment on Your Pocket. Um, welcome along, Jack Boyle. Hi, Jack. How are you today? Hi, Simon. Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm a- tracking. A- okay, 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 okay. So what have we learned this season then, Jack, so far in episode one to four? So far, we have learned that um, on a couple of occasions, mm-hmm. time bar should not be relied upon by the employer as your only... Uh, defence yes. for a discrimination claim. Yes, with the case where it was a baldy guy who lodged a claim out with three months' time limit and that was held mm. to be able to proceed. 18 months late, so mm-hmm. quite, you know, more than a year late. And there was another one, the discrimination, the race discrimination one from last week. Yep, we've that, also learned about the bald discrimination. It's sex-related, not sexual harassment. Yep, based on gender. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that we, we learned mm-hmm. was... What was it, Zai? <laughs> well, learned the fact that harassment that. is subjective for the employee who is harassed, not object. Is that right, Jack? Very good. I knew that. <laughs> I thought that was the answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to Black Arrow's Employment Team Podcast, where you have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. This podcast is aimed at managers and business owners intend to keep you on the street and narrow with your staff. This is the Law Behind the Headlines, take two, season. We're going to take a look at the stories which were making the headlines and ask ourselves, is this case for real? How did the employer get away with that? And what is the law behind the headlines? Okay, so in this case, talk about the case of Drummond against HMRC. I should say there's show notes which will have the link to the judgment, won't it, Jack? Well, indeed. So if, you, if you're interested by the theme of this case, you can read the judgment for a more, more full explanation of the matters I discussed. Should say, I should say, actually, the judgment is pretty poor, isn't it? It's got various symbols and it's like Harry, your son's typed it on his keyboard. Yeah, I think there was a glitch from the tribunal <laughs> system when that one was getting uploaded. Okay, the facts case are Mr Drummond is employed by HMRC as an officer. He is full-time, 37 hours a week. Mr Drummond experiences syncope and pre-syncope episodes. Ooh, what does that mean, Jack? Well, I had to Google this one, but it seems (laughs) to be that it's a kind of a fainting or a temporary loss of consciousness associated with a lack of blood getting to the brain. Oh, wow, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, remember that time you fainted, (laughs) Simon, you were given blood? (laughs) Jack, Jack, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. Um, Mr Drummond was notified in May 2018 by DVLA he must not drive and he commutes from Dundee to Edinburgh for his work. And part of Mr Drummond's role was investigating businesses which HMRC perhaps suspected that did not declare all of their income. Mm. So that could involve a need for Mr Drummond to visit various premises across Scotland, although these visits were usually planned two or three weeks in advance. Okay, so Mr Drummond could use public transport and also access to work scheme to assist him with a driver, if required. Within the organisation, there were officers and there were also hire officers who, like Mr Drummond, did not drive. That's changed to officers and hire officers. Yeah, so Mr Drummond at this stage was an officer. Okay, so in 2020, HMRC embarked on a recruitment exercise. They were looking for another 597 officers and hire officers. However, HMRC decided to make the ability to drive an essential criteria for these new recruits. Quite interesting. Yeah, isn't it? They did not undertake any equality impact assessment in relation to this recruitment exercise. Potentially a mistake. We'll come on to find out whether that's the case. Mm -hmm. 
HMRC advertised for higher officer rules in Edinburgh, stating that a full driving licence and ability to drive was a requirement, but they would consider reasonable adjustments. Hmm. And then Mr Drummond's boss, it sounded like he had a good boss, he actually encouraged him to apply for one of these higher officer roles. Hmm. So what he did, Mr Drummond, he emailed some various queries about the post, mentioned his lack of holding a driving licence, put forward some solutions around transport. That's a good boss, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine I gave you encouragement like that, Jack. I know, if only. Leave black eyes. <laughs> if only, Simon. <laughs> Just joking, Jack. I've Just heard joking. these kind of things over the last 10 years. But <laughs> 13 years. One day I'll call your bluff. <laughs> In any case, Mr Drummond did not receive a response to this email, so he applied for the post anyway because the deadline was looming fast on the horizon. His application was rejected at the first stage of the process because he didn't have a driving licence. Only six people were ultimately appointed in Edinburgh, despite HMRC having approval for ten positions. Mr Drummond didn't get through the first stage and he was quite upset by this because he couldn't see in his head how being able to drive was a reasonable requirement for the role of higher officer. That was particularly so because some of these people already doing the job of higher officer did not have driving licences. It's weird too because his manager said apply for the job, which is also strange, isn't it? Strange, yeah. You would think the manager would have known the kind of the, the parameters of the job. Totally. In any case, Mr Drummond went through a grievance procedure which got him nowhere. So did, did, did he lodged a claim with the Employment Tribunal Service. So... What were the headlines for this case, JB? What do you think? Uh, I wonder whether it could have been driving home the need for equality. <laughs> Job applicant unlawfully rejected owing to lack of a driving licence. That's I don't even beat that, Jack, unfortunately. That bar's, can't beat that. That's bar's the, been set high this That's week. the best one. How's about <laughs> HMRC carry car? Carry ah, the can for disability discrimination. Nah, not your best work, Simon, but <laughs> I think I get it this week. Fine, you get it. What was the actual headline in this case, Jack? Disabled HMRC worker awarded £20,000 after bosses refused to let him apply for a job. After your um, title, Jack. Thanks, si, I'll take that. Okay, what was his custody in the course of the hearing? So Mr Drummond alleged that the rejection of his application was discrimination arising from disability. He also asserted a claim for first reasonable adjustments and indirect discrimination. Now, this type of claim stems from Section 15 of the Equality Act, and they're quite commonly referred to as Section 15 claims. We're going to focus all on Section 15 claims. Mm -hmm. um, so just the, the bare bones of a Section 15 claim is that there has to be unfavourable treatment. Yep. In this case, the rejection of his application. Yep. And that has to be because of something which arises in consequence of his disability. So the lack of a driving licence mm -hmm. was arising from his SINCOP disability, and those were the components of the claim. Okay. So the employer argued that the requirement for a driving licence was a proportionate means of achieving legitimate aim. And that is the only defence available to an employer facing such a claim. So proportionate means and legitimate aim are the main keywords of this kind of two part defence shack, isn't it? It is. So there's two hurdles for an employer to get over. And not necessarily an easy defence to make out. No. The first hurdle here, HMRC said that they had a legitimate aim, namely recruiting more officers who could drive. And they actually had two aims, the second of which was a requirement for officers to travel throughout Scotland, sometimes at unsociable hours. So in this case, the employer had two legitimate aims. First of all, 
recruiting more officers who could drive, and secondly, people who could travel throughout Scotland, sometimes at unsocial hours. Yeah, exactly. But that's the first hurdle. The second hurdle is generally a bit of a harder one to overcome. I agree. And that is the proportionality. Mm -hmm. So basically what that means is the measure which the employer relies on has to be both an appropriate means of achieving the aim, but also must be reasonably necessary. And what that means in practice um, is basically the tribunal will have to do a balancing act between the needs of the employer on one hand against the discriminatory impact which it has on the employee on the other hand. So again, two-stage test proportionate means judgment aim. So again, the first thing which an employer will try and argue, first of all, is the aim was legitimate. In this case, they were saying, OK, need to travel around Scotland. The Employment Tribunal believed, yes, that was legitimate. However, they did not accept the second aim, the need for the number of officers with driving licences. Um, so again, this on account of the fact that HMRC did not present evidence as the number of officers, officers required without driving licences. Um, so turning, so they, they got one of the aims through the sick. Second one, one didn't get through. But on the second hurdle, the tribunal did not accept that the first aim was proportionate. Now, what they took account of was the fact that HMRC already employed a number of officers and higher officers who did not drive, but who could still perfectly adequately do the job. And the tribunal concluded that the aim could not, the aim could have been achieved, sorry, by making reasonable adjustments. For example, allowing Mr Drummond to utilise public transport as he had been doing all along. And it's hard for employers, isn't it, to resist these kind of claims? Because again, there's mm -hmm. aim is easy to do, say this the aim is what got in place. But yeah. the second part is more difficult proportionality, isn't it, Jack? Yeah, it's much harder. I mean, it's, I, know we, I know we weren't talking about dismissal in this case, but most of the time these cases are arising about, out of a dismissal and, mm -hmm. and generally it sort of boils down to exhausting every possible alternative avenue that's a less severe means of reaching the aim. Um, um, and in this case, I suppose, because HMRC are a pretty big employer, mm -hmm. it was more difficult for them to kind of demonstrate proportionality yeah, on one view. Absolutely. I mean, it does tend to be the case that the, um, the, the bigger the employer, then the higher the higher a hurdle they will have when it comes to this proportionality just because they generally have got more resources available to them and more wiggle room for, for, for finding alternatives. Totally. So the claims were lodged against HMRC for discrimination by disability, Section 15 claim, and also indirect discrimination and a failure to make reasonable adjustments. And these three claims were, regrettably for HMRC, successful. Exactly, and the upshot of this whole case was that Mr Drummond won on all three counts. He still has his old job, so he's still an officer with HMRC, and he got compensation from the Employment Tribunal for both financial losses, and that was based upon the Tribunal forming the view that there was a 75% chance he would have got that job had he been allowed to apply. And the second part was injury to feelings. What was the total tab, Si? It was in excess of £20,000. So there we go. So it's a big loss for the employer to have to pay to Mr Drummond. Um, and again, you know, it's fatal for the employer to resist this type of claim in my view. Exactly. I wonder if he'll get a higher officer job when the next recruitment drive goes forward. <laughs> what do you think? You should by the sound of it. Seems, Seems like a likely. capable spud. Seems likely. Okay, so our three takeaway tips are what, Jack Boyle? Well... 
number one, I'm going to go with think about the essential job specifications um, and always impact assess those against the Equality Act before proceeding. Tip two is take a careful and considered approach to essential job criteria and not a rigid hard line which HMRC seemed to take in this case. And then thirdly, if you are faced with a claim and you do have to rely upon the objective justification defence, make sure that you or your client has got tangible evidence to support the aim in question and why it's proportionate. More than just anecdotal chat from managers, as was the case here. Good. Okay, that concludes this episode, episode number five of season eight. I guess podcast, please subscribe to our Employment Lawyer in a Pocket podcast. You're your normal podcast host. Absolutely. And if you haven't left us a review already... Why not? It's the question. Why not? Why indeed not? 13,000 subscribers. Why not let a review yet? Please do leave us a review, positive or negative. Not negative, Jack. Not, not negative. negative. Positive, please. We won't engage with negative feedback. <laughs> but all jokes aside, thanks very much for listening, folks. We will see you next week. Cheers and cheerio. Cheerio. Cheerio.